podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast on Thursday, August the 4th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and their presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geo block from while also keeping your data safe. If you go to LibertyShield.com right now and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you'll get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And lastly, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, uh, recording in advance today. It's Thursday where you are. It's Wednesday here. Um, changing things up a little bit this week, myself and Mr. Drinkle is joining me. We're going to just preview and predict this weekend's games because why not? Uh, I cannot be here on the Thursday, so we have to do this on the Wednesday and we thought we'd do this. So Mr. Drinkle, how are you, sir? Does it make sense that there's a Friday game? So there's more time. Exactly. There's logic here. Exactly. Now, we should also point out that certain things might happen in the interim where players might be signed. Fulham might pull a centre-back out of their backsides on the Thursday, have him registered by Friday lunchtime and time to play on Saturday. But for the purpose of this, we're just going with what the squads are right now, what injuries are there right now. And if things change, well, then that's not our fault. We've done all we can, Guy. I think we've done all we can. We have. We have come in prepared, almost. Um, but <laughs> uh, but as I said, we do start with a Friday game, and this one's on Sky if people are interested in watching. And that is Crystal Palace against Arsenal, which has kind of become a bit of a... <laughs> Rivalry might be a strong word, but it's certainly become a bogey team for Arsenal. Um, mm. It derailed their season last year. Basically, that's when the... I think the rot was maybe in, but it was when their season got properly derailed. Um, Palace had a difficult pre-season with with the split squad, basically due to COVID and travel and stuff like that. And Arsenal seemingly had a good pre-season, but almost similarly to the start of last season, it feels like the Premier League have put Arsenal on a pedestal here and go, please be a shock. Yes, very much so. Arsenal have been once again, as they were last year, held up as... The team who's going to make top four, uh, even though I, I think it's massively questionable. You're right when you talk about last season. You look at the two games between the two sides. In the first game, which was in October, Arsenal went one up through an Aubameyang goal. Palace fought back, controlled the game, 
went 2-1 up. Benteke and Edward scoring the goals to give them a 2-1 lead. And in the 95th minute, Alex Lacazette scores the win- scores the equaliser to give Arsenal a point. In April, the sides met at Selhurst and Palace wiped the floor with Arsenal. Mateta, Ayu and Zaha giving them a 3-0 lead. And really, that is what derailed Arsenal's season because they lost that one, then they went and lost to Brighton, then they lost to Southampton. Then it looked like things might rectify themselves. Then they got beaten by Spurs, beaten by Newcastle, and they end up missing top four. Palace last season, I think, outperformed most expectations with what they were able to accomplish in the first season under Vieira. Last season, they finished 12th. A lot of people had them tipped to go down or at least battle relegation. Arsenal will be without Emil Smith-Rowe. They will be without Fabio Vieira. They will be without Kieran Tierney. And they will likely be without Takihiro Tomiyasu. So that's two starters, both the fullbacks, and two good attacking players, neither of whom are likely starters this season. So it's a lot for Arsenal to have to overcome so early in the year. But Palace themselves, they also have injuries. Uh, Sam Johnston and Jack Butland both ruled out. James MacArthur ruled out. And Michael Elise is dealing with this foot injury that has cost him his entire preseason. As you said, Palace had that weird preseason where half the squad was in one place and the other half was in Asia. Uh, Arsenal had a, a confidence-building preseason. Won a lot of games, scored a lot of goals. Gabby Jesus looked good. But this is the first real test. This is a game that matters. Mm-hmm. This game is at Selhurst Park, under the lights, in front of a very rowdy crowd. And I think Palace will get something from the game. I'm going to go for a draw. And I'll go for the same score as the first game between these sides last season. I'll go 2-2. Interesting. Um, I might start doing this for all the games, just for a bit of interest. But for me, this game's intrigue is probably seeing William Saliba for for the first time. Is there, is there a player in this picture that interests you in particular? Check the Kure. The new signing for Palace in midfield. I think people are going to fall in love with him this season. In the same way people really got attached to Conor Gallagher last season, I think they'll love Dukure this season for Palace. A high energy, really good ball winner, progressive passer, good can carry the ball, will add real fight in that midfield for them. And I think he's one that's destined for a top club. So I would say my one to watch in that game is Czech Dukure. Nice, nice. I like it. But, uh, yeah, it, it should be a good uh, litmus test for both teams, as we say. We'll move on to Saturday then, the early kickoff on BT, as usual. Fulham, a newly promoted Fulham against Liverpool. You've talked, basically, the last few weeks how Fulham's summer's going nowhere near as planned. And, yeah, still is. Still could change, but probably not in time for the Liverpool game, as we said. Mm. Um, the... This just has to has to be a Liverpool win if, if they want to win the title, basically. 
It's already yeah, at that Liverpool, stage. Liverpool can't drop points to teams like Fulham. Um, no Joe Bryan, uh, Chalabas a doubt, and Harry Wilson is out. So Harry Wilson being out is huge because after Mitrovic, he's their second biggest goal threat. Uh, their third biggest goal threat from last year, well, Liverpool stole him and Fabio Carvalho. Now, Liverpool do have a bunch of injuries and doubts of their own. Uh, Jota is out. Kelleher is out. Simicus is a doubt. Kanate is a doubt. Keita and Becker should be back. Jones and Oxlade-Chamberlain <clears throat> both out. So, you know, there's there's four players out and two more that are doubts. That's not ideal starting the season, but you'd expect Liverpool to go and win this game fairly comfortably. Fulham haven't done enough this summer to improve themselves to a Premier League level. I like Paulinho. I think Pereira's decent. Solomon's talented. Leno's an upgrade in goal. He should be ready to go for this one, you'd assume. But you're starting Tim Ream. And that's what it all comes down to, is you're starting Tim Ream at centre-back, and that's going to cause you problems. I'm going to go heavy on this one. I think 6-0 to Liverpool. I think Liverpool are going to wipe the floor with them. And uh, I think Darwin Nunes is the one to watch for me. I think he's going to get himself a couple of debut goals. May have to change my fantasy too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like that. I'd like that. It'd be a nice nice way to not ruin my uh, weekend. Uh, but we'll move on to Bournemouth against Aston Villa and basically Bournemouth in the same situation as Fulham. They've not really done enough. Um, whereas Villa got basically all their business done early. I think they're still linked with one or two more. But they got basically the big business done earlier with Kamara and, and, and Carlos and Co. Um, mm. But Villa, an interesting season for them up ahead because I think we discussed it on AI and the pressure on Gerard will build quite quickly. I can't remember the owner's name, but you're, you're familiar with them from the Wes Edens, the, yeah, yeah the, um, the books and in the NBA. But the pressure will build on Gerard, Gerard if they underperform. And they've spent a lot of money and they need to be beating a team like Bournemouth to, well, basically cement themselves in the top half. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The Villa have to get off to a good start here. This is a very favourable fixture for Villa. Bournemouth, like you said, they haven't done enough. Uh, David Brooks is out, and two of the new signings are out. Joe Rothwell and Brian Fredericks will both miss this game. So, I mean, you're talking about basically just their championship team. And... I have a tough time seeing them beat a Villa team who'll be at full strength. Courtney House is the only player out for them, so they'll have everybody else. They've spent quite a bit of money this summer. They feel they've improved dramatically in certain areas. I think in terms of Bubakar Kamara, they've improved dramatically in midfield. If it's Konza and Carlos, that should be a sizable upgrade on anything to do with Tyron Mings. I'm going to go for the Villa win. I'm going to go 3-1. I think I think Bournemouth will put up a fight, obviously, but I just think there's such a lack of quality, mm. of real Premier League quality in that Bournemouth team and a lack of proven Premier League goal scorers. I mean, we saw Dom Solanke in the Premier League before. He didn't look great. He's done very well last season in the Championship. Huge pressure on him to carry that into the Premier League this year. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. And we all remember how Scott Parker was um, in um, in his Fulham days. It was basically all all hands on deck defensively, and hope for a moment of magic or a set piece or something like that. And and Bournemouth defensively, I, I genuinely don't know who plays in defence for Bournemouth. That's where we get into. Well, it. the thing is, like they let Gary Cahill go. They haven't made the Nat Phillips deal permanent. So you have to ask who's playing next to Lloyd Kelly. Metham because who? Chris Metham is he? Yeah, still Chris Metham. He looks like he might be the be the one. They, they also had a, a couple of different le- uh, right backs in on loan last season. They're gone. The one they brought in was Ryan Fredericks. He's injured. So who knows <laughs> who's starting at right back? Um, Kelly and Zamora, left centre back and left back. That's probably locked in. But the right side of the defence is anyone's guess. Uh, the midfield and attack probably picks itself. But it's not massively inspiring. Yeah, I mean, just going through that, I think Jefferson Lerma is probably the only Premier League quality player. You've probably got Lerma and Cook in midfield. To start, um, Lewis Cook. I don't know. I, I do like Lewis Cook. Yeah, He's good. I would guess Philip Billing starts as the ten, but mm. like I mean, you know, is we've seen 10? him in the Premier League a few. T- that's what he played last season. Oh God, uh, we've seen him in the Premier League a few times, and it's never really worked for him. But he was really good last season in the Championship. Um, Tavanier is he? I, I guess he's he, starting. He was more of a ten at Borough off the top of my head, so it'd be interesting to see. Him on the right, I presume, or left. Unless I guess he'd play on the right. He's a and good maybe... crosser, I suppose, if there's one of whip balls into Solanke. But, mm. And probably Jaden Anthony on the left mm. with Solanke up front. I, I guess that's the team for now until they get a few more faces in and obviously Mark Travers in goal. I'm just, I'm lost on who... I'm lost on who's going to play right back. It it may well be just Adam Smith, who's been there forever. I think he's eight years at the club now. Hmm. Um, and he's played a ton of games. And last season, he was one of those in rotation at right back. Jack Stacey could be another option. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, you're not exactly... You're not exactly talking about top-end Premier League operators here. They're very much two championship level players. Yeah, if they were swapping uh, between three last season, they have they basically have zero. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly, thing. exactly. So I, I'm a little bit concerned about how little they've done uh, this this summer. I, I think it's I think it's really poor how little they've done, and I think they're going to get found out quite quickly. To be honest. Uh, so I, I, I assume you meant Nunes is the one to watch from the previous fixture. You got one to yes. watch in this one. Uh, my one to watch here is actually Solanke, yeah. purely because I'm fascinated to see what he can do at the Premier League level. In 21 Premier League games for Liverpool, he scored one goal. In 42 Premier League games for Bournemouth, he scored three goals. So four in 63 at the Premier League level. But in the Championship... 15 and 40, and then 29 and 46. So can he translate some of that form into the Premier League? Bournemouth have to hope and pray that he can, because if he can't, they're in 
serious trouble. Like, mm. it's hard to see how they can win any games if he can't score goals. Because when you look at the rest of the players in the squad, there's no one else there that you'd look at and think, he'll get you a bunch of goals. The other one that could play actually in midfield, sorry, what I think of it, is Ryan Christie. Um, mm. But there's nobody else really that strikes you as getting double figures goals in the league. He for more, not for me. Big target man type of striker. Never been a huge goal scorer. His best season was 20 and 42 with Cardiff uh, in the championship. Before that, he'd largely been a, you know, a league one player. He played in the national league in the conference South and stuff. So he's never been anywhere near the premier league. This is a big step up for him, and I, I don't expect that he's one who'll make that step up easily. But he's a fine backup, last five minutes, roll of the dice type of player. But they need Solanke to start firing quickly. And I, I think he's the one to watch in this game for that reason. Yeah, it should be interesting. Obviously, Villa will probably see a lot more of as well with with Carlos and, and Kamara, but they're defensive players. Let's get a bit of attacking in there. Uh, moving on then to the next one, we have Leeds against Wolves almost different ends of the transfer spectrum in terms of busyness. Um, Leeds lost probably their two best players in Phillips and Rafinha, uh, whereas Wolves uh, let go a few youngsters on loan. I can't, I can't think of anyone else they've really lost, but probably the bigger news is that they basically only brought in Nathan Collins, probably going to rely on some of the younger players they bought last season, um, Mosquera, and I think they bought Chiquinho in the, in the, in the January as well. But I think everyone, Wolves fans included, probably the Wolves high hierarchy as well, they've just not done enough. Um, no, they haven't done enough. They yeah. haven't done anywhere near enough. And they start this season with a number of injury concerns. Mm. Huang is a doubt. Uh, Tote Antonio Gomez is a doubt. Uh, Sarkic is a doubt. I think he's the backup keeper, isn't he? I think so, yeah. Um, yeah. Nelson Semedo is out. Adama Traore is out. Raul Jimenez is out. And you mentioned Chiquinho. He's out till about April with a torn ACL. Oh, is he? Bloody hell. So, you know, again, that just hammers home the point that they just didn't do enough. And some of the lads they were going to be relying on are injured and could be out for quite a while. Leeds, they've got a bunch of injury problems, which they somehow always managed to have. Uh, Stuart Dallas is out for the foreseeable future after that horrendous injury last year. Um, Junior Firpo will miss the first few weeks of the season. Luke Ayling will miss the first few weeks of the season, but he's been replaced anyway. Uh, Sinistera, he's out, which is unfortunate. Adam Forshaw is out. Cody Drama is a doubt. Dan James is suspended. And Liam Cooper is a doubt. So a lot of injuries on both sides. I like what Leeds did, but obviously, as you said, they, they did lose their two best players, and that's always a concern. How are you going to react? You've got a lot of players you're trying to bet in. I think at home, Leeds have the advantage here, but Wolves could come and spoil the party very easily. We saw them do it last year, just with that defensive setup, limit opponents' opportunities, limit them to you know low percentage shots. This will be a close game, I think. Um, I'm going to go for the home win, though. I'm mm. going to go 1-0 to Leeds United. Yeah, 
yeah, I could see this being anything because I think these are probably two of the most unknowns, especially Wolves with just no goal threat. It's like it's going to be Pedro Neto and vibes, basically, especially with the, the lads out, as you said. I'm not even sure who will start with him. It'd be Prudence. Uh, I don't know beyond that, especially if Huang's out, as you say. Yeah, I'm. I'm really not sure. I'm. I'm really not sure who's going to start in attack for Wolves because they loaned out Fabio Silva. Then Jimenez got hurt. Chiquinho's just gotten injured. Like if we look at their attack, uh, Adama is injured. I mean, it could be that they have to play Patrick Catrone, who Beautiful. has been a disaster for them. Uh, Leo Bonatini who I'd forgotten they still owned because he's been on loan for like three years. Um, maybe they play Morgan Gibbs-White in the front three. It's, it's weird not... they're, trying to, they're so actively trying to get rid of him. Yeah, it's so strange. It's weird. It's so strange. I, I think they're, they're going to struggle badly in attack again this season. They're going to be heavily reliant on that defence. Now... I do think when Semedo's back, Semedo, Chiqui- uh, Semedo, Collins. Muscara, Collins, Kilman, and Aitnuri, that could be a really strong back five. Mm. But, you know, this, the, the, the captain will have to be shoehorned in because otherwise he might have tantrums. And um, he weakens the team. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think even if it if, if it it probably will be Cody as the middle one, as you say, but I think Kilman on the left centre back rather than the right, it might allow him to go forward a bit more. Um Collins, I know he, he always scores worldies for Ireland, so maybe they go full Sheffield United and have box to box centre backs. Hey, let's see. Um a player to watch. Um I think Bamford in part because he missed so much of last season. He's looked yeah. sharp in pre-season, but that's not necessarily a good indicator. I'll be interested to see how he looks. But I think the one I'd go for is probably Aronson. If if Sinistero was playing, it'd be him. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll go for Aronson because I think he's going to be a lot of fun this season. Yeah, and he cost like, was it, it was about 30 mil, wasn't it? So mm. a lot of pressure on him um, to do well. Um, but we'll move on to the next game. Newcastle against Nottingham Forest. I think today were on the pod. Yes, they called it the uh, nostalgia game of of nineties Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think everyone expects Newcastle to do well. Maybe not had the summer most people expected. Probably say the same for Forest in the opposite direction as they've gone mental. <laughs> um, I picked Forest for my prediction on today was sure, Dave. And that's simply because there's always a promoted team that does really well on the opening day, and yes. the other team, we don't expect the other two to do that well. But I think Newcastle have a good season, but it wouldn't surprise me if Forest are the one with the shock result of the first game week. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. Um, Newcastle, no Shelby, so that's a blow. Um, no Manquillo, Manquillo, Federico Fernandez, and... Jamal Lewis are all a doubt, but Shelby not being there is a, is a blow for them. Forrest, Sam Surridge should be fit. Omar Richards is out. That's that's a loss, but they do have Harry Tofolo, who they've also brought in this summer. Um, so they should be fine there. And Ginger Pilo. 
And Ginger Pirlo, of course. I like Forrest's chances here. Like you said, there's always that one there's always that one promoted team that comes up and does well in the in, in the first few weeks. And I think it'll be Forrest this year. And I think Forrest are gonna have a good season. I'm gonna go for the away win as well. Because I think Steve Cooper is an excellent manager. And I think he's gonna catch Newcastle a little bit cold. I haven't been overly impressed by now, admittedly, not a whole lot that I've seen, but from what I've seen of Newcastle, I haven't been hugely impressed. And they've still got holes in that team, especially the right side centre back holding midfield. There's not enough goals in the team, and I think that is something that Forrest will swallow up because Forrest will be very good defensively. I think Toon will will struggle a little bit with tracking the full the the wing backs of Nottingham Forest. I'm going to go 2-1 to Nottingham Forest for this one. I can't believe you don't trust Miguel Almiron's pre-season form. Yeah, Miguel Almiron and Alan St. Maximum being asked to track Nico Williams and Harry Tafolo doesn't fill me with confidence. <laughs> uh, before we go into the break then, uh, what did you play to watch in this one? Um... I'll go with Awani because yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting how he does in the Premier League. He obviously spent a number of years contracted to Liverpool, though never played for Liverpool, but has done really well on a couple of loans and obviously did really well last season after he was sold to Union Berlin. Forrester paid big money for him. They need him to be a hit. So, yeah, uh, I'll go with Teo Iwani. Yeah, I like that shout because all we had from Liverpool days was him just being massive in training. Yeah. <laughs> that is it. Uh, but we'll take a quick ad break and then we'll be back with the next five fixtures. Right, welcome back. Right, guy, let's go game six. So next up we have Spurs against Southampton. Um, Spurs is a weird one because it, it's hard to place them because I don't think anyone thinks they'll be in the title challenge for too long of the season, even though I predicted they'll be in it for till the World Cup, but maybe fall away in the second half. Um, but they have to start off strong because if they have a bad spell, Conte will walk. <laughs> I mean, we know this. I mean, yeah. everyone, every football fan in the world, but if Spurs have a bad start to the season... Conte will just go and a Southampton team that I know you like their business, but I think teams will have to see them as an opportunity to play against, especially when they're trying to bed in so many youngsters at the start of the season. Yeah, I think Southampton could struggle a little bit at the start of the year with all those young players they've brought in, you know, trying to find the right balance of experience and youth. And the lack of a goal scorer is, is hugely concerning to me as well. Uh, going into this game, Livermento obviously is out with the, the ACL. It'll probably be January before we see him. Uh, Nathan Teller is out, and I mean, Theo Walcott's out, but they should really have released him in the summer. Um, whereas with Spurs, Ollie skips out for a while. Richarlison is suspended after he threw the flare when he was an Everton player. Yeah. Tanganga is out and Basuma is a doubt. So Basuma being a doubt is a big blow, but I still think Spurs have more than enough at home. 
they've got Kane, they've got Son. I just don't know how. I just don't know how Southampton stopped them. We've seen in the past Spurs absolutely wipe the floor with Southampton. We've seen them carve them open time and again with Kane dropping off and Hyungmin Son just running in behind time and time and time again. Now, last season, when the two sides met uh, at St. Mary's, it ended up in a 1-1 draw. Ward-Prowse and then a Harry Kane penalty. That was when Kane was still barely bothering his arse to even try. Uh, Southampton did beat Spurs at the Tottenham Stadium. So they can take confidence from that. But, you know, they got a goal from Broya. Then Spurs fought back and ended up... Actually, Spurs scored first through Brett Bednarak on goal. Broya scored. Spurs went 2-1 up with a Youngman Sun goal. And then Spurs threw it away with El Yanassi and Adams scoring for Southampton in the last 10 minutes. Yes, I remember, yeah. I think Conte will have sorted out that type of Spursiness this summer. I, I think he'll have gotten through to them finally. And I expect a much more solid and dependable Tottenham team this year. I think Spurs win this game. I'll go 3-0. Interesting. Um, player to watch? Um, Jed Spence. Jed Spence. I've been talking him up for long enough. Time for him to repay me. I got him this move. He needs to repay me now. You're going to be annoyed when it's Emerson Royale playing right wing back. I'm going to be furious when it's Emerson <laughs> Royale playing right wing back. It'll be Lucas Moore. It'll be Lucas Moore. That's his, that's Conte's project for the half season. Make him a ring, right wing back. Um, uh, the late kickoff then on the Saturday. This one's on. Yep, still on Sky. The late kickoffs. Uh, Everton against Chelsea, and I'm not sure if it's broken just yet, Dave. But I, whilst you were recording Wednesday's show <laughs> about one, half an hour ago. It was football insider, so iceberg of salt. Um, that Calvert Lewin might be out for up to three months with mm. I think it was an LCL, um, a torn LCL. That means Solomon Rondon's playing up front. Yes, and he's that, suspended for this game. Oh, is he? That means no well, one's playing. playing. That, means, that means no one's playing up front. Yeah. So uh, Calvert Lewin out likely for three months, like you said. Tom Davies is out. Yerry Mina is a, is a major doubt. Obviously. Asmir Begovic is out. Oh, no. Rondon is suspended. Seamus Coleman is out. And Andros Townsend is out to the new year. So Everton with loads of injury issues and not a whole lot of quality. Now, going in their favour, they did do well against Chelsea last year. They drew, they drew, they drew 1-1 at the bridge. Um, Brantway equalised after Mount had put Chelsea 1-0 up. And then they beat Chelsea at Goodison, Richarlison scoring, Pickford making a handful of good saves. I don't think they get a result this time around, though, because they've got no striker. Uh, They haven't done enough so far in the window. They've got no midfield. And I just think Chelsea are going to come out and be what we expect Chelsea to be, which is a, a good team with good players who win a lot of football games. Uh, Broya is a doubt Barkley it should be back uh, Timo Werner I don't think there's any chance he'll play not because he's injured just, just because I think he's in a transfer yeah he's on his way out the door um, 
I, I don't want to spend too long on this. Mm. I think Everton are in big trouble. With Calvert-Lewin out, I think they're in really big trouble. I like our predictions that we made yesterday. I like uh, them all now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to suggest that this game ends 3-0 to Chelsea. Yeah, the only question mark is is if Everton do the 200 men behind the ball and, and stuff like that and Chelsea. Well, they're going to have to do that. They're yeah. going to have to do that. I think they may have to do it in every game until Calvert-Lewin's back. Um, but yeah, as I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, but player to watch? Raheem Sterling. Yeah. Raheem Sterling. I, I want to see how Sterling and Havertz works. And I think much of how Chelsea do this season will depend on how Raheem does in front of goal. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll have to be the, the key goal scorer unless... Um... Uh, Pavertz takes a huge jump or, or one of the million other wingers takes a huge jump um, but yeah moving on to Sunday then this is the Sunday game that isn't on telly we have Leicester against Brentford now Dave I mean you mentioned stuff possibly changing for the positive in the intro in the intro there where people may sign people but Leicester seems like the opposite they've got so many tra- transfer question marks going the opposite direction yeah. They, do, they don't have a first-choice goalkeeper at the minute. I, I've changed my fantasy Premier League to bring in both their four million keepers. Um, probably won't work, but I'll change that as soon as. Fafana, he hasn't kicked up a stink yet, but he did hint on social media that he will push for the move. Maybe he re- refuses to play, but that's pure speculation on uh, Wednesday, as we're recording, as we said. Um, Madison, the Newcastle links haven't stopped, so he's not clearly said, I don't want to move to Newcastle. Whereas Brentford, apart from losing Christian Eriksen, and I know they've got a few a couple injuries in defence, their team's pretty settled, whereas Leicester's anything but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brentford, the only question marks over them at the moment, just the injuries. Ayer's out, Pinup is out. So, you know, I assume it's Ben, me, and Pontus Janssen as the centre-backs, which probably hints at them going 4-3-3 with uh, Hickey at right-back and Henry at left-back, a midfield three of Onyeka. Um, Onyeka, Janolt, and... The the... Silva, maybe? Or um, Jensen? Jensen. Jensen could play. Jensen or the other Danish one, I can't remember the name. The other Danish one is the, is the one I can't remember. He's yeah. the one who'll definitely start. Uh, Norgard. Norgard, Norgard definitely starts. Well, um, I don't think you yeah. discussed it. What do you make of the um, Damsgaard? Is Damsgaard? Love it. Yeah. Love the Damsgaard idea. I think if you bring in him as the attacking midfielder with Norgard as the sitting midfielder and then you've got Janos doing sort of all the in-between stuff, it's a really good balance. I really like what they've done. I like the players they're bringing in. I think Lewis Potter has got a chance to be very good in the division. Strakosh has got a chance to rediscover his best form. I think Wiss is one to look at as well. Taking With Wiss in year two. I think Mbomo could take a, a step forward this year. His finishing can't be that bad again. <laughs> can't be that bad again. It can't be. If it is, they need to sell him. If it is, it's an abomination. It was a horrible last season. Um, th- There's... there's a lot to like about this team. And like you said, like they're settled. They've got the players in the door. They know what they're doing. They know what they're about. Everything's still fresh and they're, you know, year two in the Premier League. And then you look at Leicester 
And, well, first things first, let's look at the injuries. Ryan Bertrand's out. Harvey Barnes is a doubt. Wes Fafana is a doubt. Aosi Perez is a doubt. Hamza Chowdhury is a doubt. Danny Ward is a doubt. And Ricardo Pereira is out. So that's less than ideal. Then you get Casper Schmeichel's gone. Wesley Fafana has been linked with moves away. James Madison's been linked with moves away. Harvey Barnes has been linked with moves away. There doesn't seem to be any money to spend. Your manager has clearly run his course at the club. Why he's still there, I've no idea. Vardy's been linked with moves away now as well. So, I mean, it all just seems very, very chaotic, which is not really what you want on the eve of the new season. Now, they are at home, and I do think that matters. But I think Brentford can go there and get something. I think we we know that the one thing Brendan Rodgers is never able to do is coach a defence, and certainly not coach them on set pieces. Brentford are pretty good on set pieces. So I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's Iverson. I think he's had a couple championship loans. I think football manager people know him because he always, he always ends up being first choice. But a rookie goalkeeper, a game against Brentford, yeah, could be a tough one on set pieces, mm. as you say. And if Fafana's not playing, that'll see on true again. And he... He's had possibly the worst season ever last year. Yeah, um, and, and he hasn't had a good preseason either. Hasn't he? And Johnny Evans is injury prone. Yeah, it's it's Vestergaard's not Vestergaard. Vestergaard is Vestergaard exactly. One apparently one of the players on Fulham's extensive list of centre backs oh they would like. Yeah. I saw Bournemouth were linked with uh, Twan Zebi from Man United. It's, can you just relegate them already? <laughs> What's the point? Like, uh, what is the point? Uh, one to watch from this game. Um, I'll, I'll say if he plays, I'll say Wesley Fafana because I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting to see, you know, what his mindset is. Um, with the speculation now, look, I think he ends up staying because I don't think Chelsea will have eighty million to spend on him. Mm. But I mean, there is a world in which Leicester could try and get two or three really good young players to sort of reload. But it looks like one of those young players is going to end up at Brighton and Levi Colwell. Um, so who's, who's let it be? Broya could be an option. Could you talk them into parting with Harvey Vale? Could you get Conor Gallagher? Or Conor Gallagher. Conor Gallagher could be ideal for them in that midfield, especially if Yuri Tielemans is leaving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a difficult time for, it's a difficult time to be a Leicester City fan while Brendan Rodgers is in charge anyway, but it's a particularly difficult time right now. Yeah, it should be interesting, but I think if... So fine. I, to be fair, I want to see what Brendan Rodgers done, does with about 150 mil if he gets Fafana and Madison out the door. Imagine all the Vestergaard he could buy then. Um, <laughs> What's the Sean Lover not to? <laughs> He's not playing, then It's not doing it, either. Um yeah, next up then we have uh, the Super Sunday Sky business. Now, I'll ask you the same question that Tadir asked me on his podcast. Is Brighton a good opponent for Man United with this new era or not? Because obviously a little bit of turmoil with the Kukurea situa- situation and they're not really addressed the, the striking needs and stuff like that unless Undav is really, really the one. But Man United... They look good in pre-season. They've finally got a manager. They look fluent and stuff like that. Brighton's not going to be the biggest test for the defence that we know has still got problems. But 
Brighton are going to still be defensively solid regardless of the Kukurea situation. And, I mean, Martial, pre-season and all, but he scored, what, two? I think he scored two goals in 18 months or something like that. Uh, I heavily, reliant, heavily reliant on a fella who's shown he can't be relied on uh, up front. You've got the Cristiano circus going on. Is he playing? If he's not playing, oh, is he on the bench? If he's not on the bench, is he off in Portugal on strike again? I mean, what's the situation there? He's doing, uh, he's doing an odd and windy outside Sporting Stadium. There has to be. has to be. <laughs> like, Sancho and Luke Shaw are both sick, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Palestri is... A de- he wouldn't play anyway. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Williams is out. Mason Greenwood obviously out for obvious reasons. Um... For Brighton, Jakob Mulder is out until the new year, which is really unfortunate because he was playing so well before he hurt himself. Um, so I'm looking forward to him getting back then. Alexis McAllister should be back for this one. But, you know, Brighton don't have... They don't have a reliable goal score. But what they do have that does cause United problems is they've got a lot of pace and movement up front. And we know Maguire struggles against pace and movement. Now, the biggest question going into this game for me, forgetting the Ronaldo stuff, forgetting everything else, what's the centre-back pairing? Yeah. Is it Varane and Martinez? If so, is that the signal that your £80 million centre-back, who also happens to be your club captain, is no longer a starter? Because that's a big statement, if that's the case. Is it Maguire and Martinez? If so, you're leaving out a four-time Champions League winning centre-back who is undoubtedly the best centre-back at your club despite no longer being at the elite level that he was once at. Is it a three-man backline, which you haven't played in pre-season? I'm really fascinated to see... Is Martin as a midfield? I mean, that's that's what I think they should do, is play Martinez as the holding midfielder. Um, but I think either way, like they're they're gonna have problems because Maguire can't play in a high line, De Gea can't play behind a high line, Ten Hag's football requires a high line. It's I think it's going to be a mess. Being honest, I think it's gonna be a mess. I'm gonna go for Brighton to get something here. I'm gonna go one one. Yeah, I think I said two also. Yeah, I think I think a bit of a difficult one. I think we'll see United improve, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the results will show it, but I think whilst you watch them, I'd be like, if they had actual good players in them positions, they'd probably be doing better. Yeah, I think sense. we'll see like a structure and like patterns of play yeah. and things like that. Things that were non existent when Ollie was at the wheel or while Ralph Ranick was trying to burn the whole place to the ground. Um I think it could be fun. I think it could be fun to watch them this season just because I think the the evolution of them will be quite interesting because the the playing profile of the players that are there is so far removed from what he had at Ajax that he is going to have to make severe alterations to what he was doing at Ajax. And if he tries to do what he was doing at Ajax with this group, it may end up that we end up seeing a United team that's very, very young, that has like Ahmad Diallo starting, that has Hannibal Mejbi starting, that has James Garner starting. You know, a lot of these younger mm-hmm. players 
and that could lead to some internal cry arsing. Yeah. Well, that, they do it anyway, so they might as well. They will do it anyway. They will do it anyway. Uh, one to watch in this one. I'll say... I'll say Moises Casado, the central midfielder from Brighton. He was, he was fantastic. He's got... Yeah. yeah, and he's got big, big shoes to fill with Basuma gone. So, uh, one definitely to keep an eye on um, for the for the whole season, I think. Yeah, by de facto, he is the um, Basuma replacement, but... Just on them, because I think we had going through this a bit bit quick. I mean, Mwepu and Casado as a midfield too. I know Mwepu had a few fitness issues, but mm. that should be fun, shouldn't it? It should be. It should be fun. It should be aggressive. Um, if you look at um, when the two of them played together last season, they obviously often had either Basuma uh, or Mulder in with them. But, you know, it was something that definitely worked for Brighton was having those two on the pitch together, their energy, their drive, their ball-winning ability. Both of them seem like intelligent players. And I think Mwepu is another one that should take a big step forward this summer. He had a bit of an up-and-down season last year, a couple of injuries that slowed him down a little bit. But there's, there's a lot to like about Mwepu. There's an, an awful lot to like about Casado. And when Motor comes back, whenever that is in January or February, I, I think that's going to be a really formidable, powerful midfield that a lot of teams are going to struggle to to cope with. Yeah. Yeah. And if they add in um, Colwell and Angelino or that Udinese lad you were on about yes, uh, Tuesday's pod. Mm. Um, yeah. Doji, uh, yeah. Yeah. Still that striker away. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, still need that strike. Danny, Danny Welbeck's bag in 25, David. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, last game then. Um, pretty big game for the start of the season. West Ham against Man City. We we know the mad games they, they had at the end of last season, the title-defining mm. game. Um, Man City lost their first game of last season. I think people thought, well, Grealish looked bad, yada, yada, yada. They obviously grew kind of grew into the season very quickly. But West Ham, although they've made a few signings, I think the team we'll see on the Sunday will be quite settled because you imagine Antonio will probably start over Skamaka because he's not really had a pre-season with them. Uh, Orgard's obviously injured. Um, Onana won't be in the door and, and maybe Flynn Downs, but he'll probably be back up anyway. But I think they'll be really settled, whereas Man City we saw in the Community Shield Albeit Grealish has been there a year, he's going to have a bigger role. Haaland's brand new. Bernard or Silver rumours won't go away. Um, but yeah, mm. it seems like a lot more a lot more to learn at Man City, whereas at West Ham, probably the team that finished, well, basically played all of last season. Yeah, I think West Ham will see largely the team from last year. I think you might see Ariola starting goal. Uh, but I think it'll be the the usual back four of, um, well, uh, to be fair, Ogbonna could be back in, so it could be Zuma and Ogbonna, but I, I, I'm kind of expecting Dawson and Zuma. Dawson uh, was with, good, to be fair. He was, to be yeah. fair, but he is the type of centre-back that Erling Haaland will eat for breakfast mm. because he's got no pace. Now, he can physically match up with Haaland in terms of you know strength for strength, but pace will cause trouble. But Zoom is very, very quick. So ideally for 
for West Ham, they want Zuma on on um Haaland. Yeah. For as long as Pep insists on trying to shoehorn Jack Grealish into this team, I think City are gonna have some issues. If you mm. look at their best eleven right now, I think it's like an evolution of the best city team we've seen, which is that 17, 18, 18, 19 version, where you had a 4-3-3, midfield three was De Bruyne, Fernandinho, and David Silva. Front three was Sterling, Aguero, and Leroy Sane. And in possession, it would flex and go to a 4-4-2, with Sterling moving central next to Aguero, David Silva, and Fernandinho forming a midfield two. De Bruyne playing as like an inside right, not as a right winger, but like in that right-hand channel in the half space. And then Leroy Sané pulling from left side forward way out to left left wing and really stretching the play vertically and horizontally. And what you would get is you'd get a lot of that De Bruyne to Sané ball that would just open the field up. You remember, you you might be a little bit young for this, but years ago, Beckham to Giggs was the most game-changing pass in English football. United would have uh, a defensive situation, a corner, a set piece, whatever. Ball would break to Beckham. He wouldn't even have to look up. He'd just know Giggs was gone and he'd find him. And all of a sudden, United would be streaming down the field. And it was the same thing with City when they had De Bruyne and Sané. Now, City were very rarely under the cosh, but on the odd odd occasion where it would happen, they would be more than happy to just invite pressure, invite teams on, and then just take the ball off them and shift it to De Bruyne. And he'd hit that ball to Sané, and City'd be streaming forward, and Aguero would make one run, Sterling would make the other, and Sané would find one of them. Now, Phil Foden isn't Leroy Sané. doesn't have his pace, but he does have excellent delivery, and he is an exceptionally good player. He's also very, very quick. He's just not Sané quick. The best use of him in this team is in that Sané role. Play Haaland as the Aguero. Not the same type of player, but purely from the base of getting in the box and finding little pockets of space in the box because Foden will find you, De Bruyne will find you from the other side. Canseo can underlap Foden. If Foden holds a wide left wing, Canseo can underlap, get infield, and then he's creating chance as well. Bernardo Silva in the David Silva role, Rodri in the Fernandinho role, De Bruyne is De Bruyne, and Alvarez in that... Sterling role where he's second on the right of the front mm-hmm. three but tucks narrow mm-hmm. as a second striker and his movement looks very good so if you get his movement and Haaland as sort of a, a lamppost almost you've got two options for every ball going into the box and I think if you look at it Bernardo Silva is better now than the David Silva that Pep inherited because Bernardo Silva or uh, David Silva and Pep inherited him was a little bit past his best years. Rodri's better than Fernandinho when Pep got there. Fernandinho at his peak 
in like 2012 to 2015 was exceptional. Rodri's not at that level yet, but he is better than kind of 17, 18 to 18, 19 Fernandinho. So that's improved. The centre-back situation is improved on what they had then. Um, Walker is the is the same right back, so that's fine. Bit more injury prone. Bit more injury prone for sure. But Canseo is better than Benjamin Mendy. So well, it was, got... it was Fabian Delph to be honest. It was Fabian Delph a lot? <laughs> it was definitely. Um, Ederson is Ederson. Is, is Ederson. He was in the team, but he, he is better now than he was then. So I mean. De Bruyne's not quite as good as he was, but he's still 95% of it. Foden isn't as lethal as Sane, but has a wider-ranging skill set. How big a jump do you think Foden can take? Because I think every, the, the talent's undeniable. Um, mm. It's just maybe the output's not what what the talent is there. It doesn't correlate. See, One of the issues for Phil Foden is he's such a naturally gifted footballer. He can sort of fill in everywhere. So that's basically what Pep has done. He's played him right side of the front three, left side of the front three. He's played him as a false nine. He's played him in the midfield. He hasn't really settled him into one position. And he should be the left-sided player. But... Because of like last season, for example, he played seven games in central midfield, two as an attacking midfielder, one as the left sided midfielder in a three, one right wing, 19 as the center forward, and 14 as the left winger. And that's far too much movement for a young player. Mm. But he did get 14 goals and 11 assists last season across 3,100 minutes. So it's not bad than, for a fellow that was 21 going 22. Season before was 16 and 10 across all competitions in 3,300 minutes. Um, so the, the it has been there. It's just that Pep is jumping him far too many positions. Like 1920, he played six positions. Uh, 2021, he plays six positions. Last season, he plays like six positions every single year. Let him play in one or two roles. Yeah, I think you just want to trim it to left or right, don't you, depending on who he's Exactly. And I think with him, the best use of him for Manchester City is on the left wing, providing service for Erling Haaland. Because he's a great crosser of the ball. He's a great passer. He can carry the ball. He can draw defenders. He can slip a ball into the gap. And he will create a ton of chances for Sterling, for, for Haaland. He'll give City an out ball. He'll stretch the field. And he gives De Bruyne a target as well. When when Haaland or Alvarez can't be found, he has that switch of play. I, I think if City are picking teams based on merit, Foden is the left winger. Um, now, I know it's tough to say merit and then say pick Alvarez, but he's just the best option for that role. Mm. Uh, Riyad Mahrez doesn't really suit that role. So that's why I've said him. But, I mean, for as long as Pep keeps trying to shoehorn Jack Grealish into this team, I think they're going to have some issues in attack. They were a much better team without Grealish last season. And but nothing in, we've seen in, in pre-seasons. Community, even the community shield, you saw when Foden came on. Yeah, they looked a totally different team. 
Yeah. Soon as Foden came on, they just carried so much more threat. Grealish did nothing while he was on the pitch. Foden came on and was a game changer. And that's that's a constant thing. So, um, yeah, as long as Pep keeps trying to justify the 100 million waste of money to Daddy Sheik, um, I think City are going to have some issues in attack. But in this game, I think they'll win. I'll go 2-1 to City. I think it should be a really good game. Yeah. I just think West Ham lack a little bit of quality without the new players in the team. Get a couple of weeks down the road, get Schumacher in the team, get Onana fit and firing, get the uh the, the new fullback you want in, get your bit more depth and attack. And I think they're gonna be a real them, problem for teams. How long do you think Schumacher will take? Couple of weeks, couple yeah. of weeks. No, oh, to 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 get in the team or to get well, a bit of both. I think you'll be in the team within a couple of weeks. It could take a while for yeah. him to fully settle and show what he can do. In part because right now, West Ham don't have the players who provide the type of service that he thrives off, which is one of the reasons that Philippe Kostic would make is you know makes so much sense for them. It's one of the reasons why when that deal looked difficult, they should have just gone and bought Dwight McNeil because McNeil would have been a perfect fit with Schumacher. From, with that left foot, his crossing ability would have been mm-hmm. perfect. Um, so I think they dropped the ball there. But look, West Ham have been pulling off surprising deals for a couple of years now. So let's wait and see what they do. But for this weekend, I'll go 2-1 City. Player to watch before we go? Uh, Haaland, Haaland, I think he's he's the most fascinating story of the season because he's such a departure for City from what they've been doing in recent years, in fact, from what they've ever done under Pep. And the last time Pep had a big, tall number nine with a huge reputation, it was a catastrophe at Barcelona. So we'll wait and see what happens here. And that was a last game? And that's it. That is us for today, so we will see you tomorrow. Joining us tomorrow to discuss where you can watch the Premier League this year will be one Edward Gibbs, and uh, we'll go through whatever news and catch up on whatever's happened over Thursday and Friday. If there's been any transfers, we can have a look at how that might influence any games this weekend. And that's us. See you, well, tomorrow for you in two days for us. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.